WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The investigation continues into an officer-involved shooting this week in Hager Township. Michigan State Police say the Coloma Township police officer who was shot has been released from the hospital and is now resting at home. He is expected to make a full recovery. Police have not released his name, but it's been reported as Drew Wagner. He was shot by a 40-year-old Hager Township man while responding to a domestic call on Monday. Once the suspect opened fire on police, the Coloma Township Police Department and Berrien County Sheriff's Department returned fire, killing the suspect. Toxicology results are still pending from the autopsy, and state police have not released the individual's name. When the investigation is complete, the information will be forwarded over to the Berrien County Prosecutor's Office. Michigan State Police asked for patience, saying the incident, quote, was a horrific tragedy for everyone involved, including their families and the Hager Township community at large. The new master plan for the city of Benton Harbor has been approved by the Benton Harbor Planning Commission, but with some last-minute changes. At a meeting this week, planners were asked to remove language designating Benton Harbor as a sanctuary city. Public Safety Director Dan McGinnis said he's seen the major problems that can result in other cities that have declared themselves migrant sanctuaries. We're already operating at 50% because of being short-staffed. Adding that issue, Chicago's got 19000 taken in a week. They can't pay for it. We see New York has asked for federal funds and not getting it. We can't barely fill potholes. How can we take care of another population that will drain more resources? McGinnis said he welcomes all Latino residents and is recruiting officers who speak Spanish, but having a major influx of migrants would not be helpful. Also, he says that would be a cheap way to reach the city's goal of growing its population by 10,000 by 2040. City Commissioner Juanita Henry also wanted the sanctuary city language dropped. The commission then voted unanimously to remove it. Chair Lee Reed said the master plan places a big focus on housing development. And we talk about attainable housing. We talk about single-family residents. We talk about multifamily residents. We're even talking about income properties. All of these will have to be looked at closely, determine what parts of the city would be most favorable for that type of development. The plan would also establish new opportunity areas with special development objectives. The document's been in the works for more than a year with dozens of meetings and workshops being held. The Planning Commission voted to approve the plan and send it on to the full Benton Harbor City Commission. St. Joseph City Commissioners have voted to create an economic development and marketing plan for the community. Speaking to commissioners this week, Assistant City Manager Emily Hackworth said the city has for years been seeking to reach certified status under the Michigan Economic Development Corporation's Redevelopment Ready Communities Program. The program helps communities with planning, zoning, and economic development through matching grants. In November of 2022, we were elevated to the essential status. And at that level, the city has access now to up to $40,000 with a 75-25 match that can be used to complete requirements needed to reach certified status, which is our ultimate goal. Ackworth said the next step to becoming certified is to have an economic development and marketing plan. Her request was to use the MEDC's $40,000 to work with Cornerstone Alliance for the development of the plan. It'll cost $25,000, and the MEDC will cover 75% of that. Cornerstone will pay the city's 25% match. Commissioners agreed to move forward, noting that the effort to be certified under the RRC program has been going on for years. The city manager of Buchanan is suspended. Residents are complaining and the public's not being given an explanation. Buchanan City Manager Ben Eldridge, who was just hired in May, was suspended by Mayor Sean Dennison on November 3rd. A statement from the city a few days later says the issues with Eldridge are confidential and the public will be updated at the appropriate time. 
At a packed meeting this week, former Berrien County Commissioner Don Ryman addressed city commissioners, complaining that the commission is driving the city into bankruptcy while Eldridge was just trying to save money. Ryman told us Wednesday he doesn't believe the mayor has the authority to suspend the city manager and the commission has not been transparent. He says the city's gone through too many managers, often having to give them payouts, and this will just be another unnecessary expense. Ryman also points to a water and sewer complex designed for far more customers than Buchanan has, telling us that it's a drain on the economy and the community's finances. He was just one to speak at this week's meeting, though, with others praising Eldridge. City commissioners say more information will be released when it's appropriate after the proper procedures have been followed. With hunters now heading out to their cabins for another firearm deer season, Michigan Gas Utilities has a safety reminder for them. Spokesperson Matt Cullen tells us hunting safety isn't just about wearing bright orange or using care when climbing into a deer blind. You've got to be careful in the cabin, too. What we recommend is that a hunter or a group of hunters does a thorough inspection of that heating system when they arrive at their cabin. And that inspection would include checking the heating vents, the flues, the chimneys, and making sure that those are clear, that there hasn't been any debris or any animal nests that have built up inside of those from the last time. Also, you want to inspect any of the appliances, those propane units or those furnaces, if you have those installed. Cullen said an improperly functioning heating system can create a carbon monoxide, have a carbon monoxide detector in the cabin and know the signs of carbon monoxide poisoning. They are feeling like you have the flu, dizziness, sleepiness, and nausea. We'll have more Michigan gas safety tips at our website. November is Lung Cancer Awareness Month and National Smoking Cessation Month and the Berrien County Health Department's urging smokers to quit while offering help to do so. Berrien County Public Health Officer Guy Miller tells us the majority of lung cancer cases are caused by smoking, and lung cancer is responsible for 80% of cancer deaths. A smoker can't quit early enough. One thing we can do at the health department is help people who do want to quit accomplish their goals. So that's something we do offer here. You know, anybody who's out there who is thinking about what it would be like to quit, to put down the habit, we do have resources for the community. Miller says those who have previously smoked and those over the age of 50 should get themselves screened for lung cancer. If you can catch these things early, the long-term consequences are going to be greatly reduced. So the more screening you can get done, the earlier you can find disease, in an individual, the better the outcome is going to be. The Berrien County Health Department can connect someone looking to quit with a prevention specialist that can guide them. The department can also connect that person with nicotine replacement therapy. Additionally, Miller says radon can also cause lung cancer, so be sure to have a radon detector in your home. Tomorrow is the annual Great American Smokeout, and smokers thinking of kicking the habit can learn more at the health department's website. We have a link to more information. And United Auto Workers President Sean Fain took his message about workers and corporate greed to Congress this week. Speaking at a U.S. Senate committee hearing that focused on uh, unions and their effects on the lives of working families, Fain said the working class is fed up with corporate greed. Competition, in my word, is code for corporate greed and a race to the bottom because that's what it drives. Find the lowest paying person and and compare yourself to that. That's not something we should aspire to be as as a nation. Fain told the Senate panel there are three main problems that need to be dealt with. They are income inequality, the transition to a green economy, and retirement insecurity. Congress then promptly got to work on not addressing all three. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues. President Biden welcomed Chinese President Xi Jinping to the U.S. today. They met in Woodside, California. The two leaders greeted each other outside the building, then entered for the summit and spoke briefly with reporters. 
ABC's Karen Travers has the latest. While the White House is downplaying expectations for any major breakthroughs during President Biden's meeting with China's President Xi, the two leaders have a lengthy agenda, including managing economic competition, restoring military communications, and the wars in Ukraine and the Middle East. President Biden signaling other areas where the two leaders could work together. Critical global challenges we face from climate change to counter-narcotics to artificial intelligence demand our joint efforts. Karen Travers, ABC News, traveling with the president in San Francisco. President Biden and China's Xi Jinping have plunged into their first face-to-face meeting in more than a year. The two leaders are working to stabilize fraught relations during talks that have far-reaching implications for the world. They're meeting today at a bucolic Northern California estate during the annual conference of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation. Biden says there's no substitute for face-to-face communications. Xi told Biden that, quote, planet Earth is big enough for the two countries to succeed. Meanwhile, world leaders, including the president, who's meeting with the Chinese president, are in San Francisco for the APEC summit today. There are also protesters in the streets, says ABC's Alex Stone. Outside of San Francisco's Moscone Center and the tall anti-scale fencing that has been set up, protesters are blocking streets and chanting. Police wearing helmets have lined up to protect the dignitaries inside. Protest groups say their goal is to shut down APEC meetings and to block motorcades from entering. Protesters have locked arms and chanted no to APEC. The protests have been largely peaceful. Alex Stone, EBC News. A day after Palestinian authorities called for an evacuation of Gaza's largest hospital, Israeli soldiers have raided it and say they were accompanied by medical teams bringing baby food, incubators, and other equipment. But health officials on Wednesday say extra supplies and equipment don't solve the question of a safe evacuation. Experts say that moving newborns and other vulnerable patients is fraud even under the best circumstances. Doing so requires trained personnel, proper equipment, and a transportation plan, requirements that are hard to meet as people trapped inside of Shaifa Hospital navigate dwindling supplies, no electricity, and no clear path. ABC's Patrick Revel has more from Tel Aviv on the latest with the Israeli operation. What we know from both sides so far is that the Israelis um, approached the hospital, went inside the hospital, as far as we can understand, and they've now released photos and images showing them where they claim that they found a small number of weapons. We've been hearing from the Israelis that there is a Hamas headquarters inside Al-Shifa Hospital. But so far, the, the weapons that they found, the things that they found inside the hospital, do not seem to show any kind of major presence there. That doesn't mean that the necessity won't be in the future, but right now, it doesn't seem to match up with the claims that Israel had been making beforehand. Details of the Wednesday raid remain sketchy, but officials from Israel and Gaza presented different narratives about what was happening at the hospital. The Israeli army released video showing soldiers carrying boxes labeled as baby food and medical supplies, while Gaza health officials talked of terrified staff and patients as troops moved through the buildings. Israel faces pressure to prove its claim that Hamas has transformed Shaifa Hospital into a command base. The Department of Homeland Security is facing questions from the House Homeland Security Committee. ABC's M. Wynn has more from Washington. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas testified in the weeks following the October 7th attack against Israel. We have responded to an increase in threats against Jewish, Muslim, and Arab American communities and institutions. He also said Congress needs to reauthorize offices at DHS like the countering weapons of mass destruction, which will expire on December 21st. Expiration would leave our country vulnerable to attacks supported by American citizens. FBI Director Christopher Wray and the National Counterterrorism Center Director also testified. M. Wynn, ABC News. Washington. Voting on the tentative contract agreement between General Motors and the United Auto Workers Union appears to be too close to call as tallies at more factories have been announced. 
The union today has not posted a final vote total, but workers at several large factories who finished voting in the past few days have turned down the four-year and eight-month deal by the fairly large margins. A factory in Arlington, Texas, with about 5,000 workers, voted more than 60% in favor of the deal. However, voting continues at Ford. The contract was passing overwhelmingly in early voting at Stellantis. The union's vote tracker shows 79% voted in favor, with many large factories yet to finish. And before the end of the week, the House Ethics Committee is expected to release its report into embattled New York Republican Congressman George Santos. Santos stands accused of multiple felonies in federal court, including fraud and identity theft. ABC's Stephen Portnoy has more from Washington. The House Ethics Committee says it's been in touch with roughly 40 witnesses and reviewed more than 170,000 pages. It's releasing its findings without first suggesting what the House should do about George Santos. We did not go through the longer process of uh, coming forth and recommending sanctions because that would have taken several more months. Chairman Michael Guest says he expects the report will soon spark another vote targeting Santos for expulsion. The New York Republican survived such a vote two weeks ago as many members raised due process concerns. Santos insists he's not guilty and won't resign. Stephen Portnoy, ABC News, Washington. 